Great, Michael. So again, it's a big pleasure to meet you and to start with this uh, enriching conversations. Uh, from hopefully, hopefully it will be enriching. Yeah. <laughs> different countries, different initiatives, but I think we are very close related, as as you mentioned in in information in in what what we're trying to achieve achieve in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And and where are you located today, uh, Daniel? Where are you sitting? M Madrid. Madrid. Yeah, Madrid. Uh, okay. I, I, I am usually based in Madrid. Um, I think I, I move around depending on the project that we have to do, but I think mostly we can do it from here. And, and even this way, the, the, the online way, we don't have to burn fossil fuels to, to to talk with our clients or or with other people anymore if we, if we if we don't really want and we're not going to get something in a close relation and conversation uh, but for regular meetings i think this is great yeah we, we try to do the same as well uh, so that we can have the meetings uh, online and uh, for most part that that works uh, here in denmark where where i'm sitting uh, of course we 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 do visit uh, some of the larger customers physically uh, when we're this close to them, but um, but basically all our customer meetings uh, with international customers have been online. So, uh, and and I think they appreciate it. It's very easy, and and it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a good way to to meet for the first time. Uh, the technology works better and better, and uh, and it's a good way to. Um, to, to kind of get to know each other before yeah. you enter into some business together. So yeah, we, we try to do the same. So, yeah, I, I think it also has a, has a component of efficiency because I think on online meetings, usually they they last the time that is scheduled. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. if, if this is something that untold rule. Yeah, it's a law of nature, I think. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's not that you find that you had to uh, schedule an online meeting for one hour and then you talk for two hours, which no. happened in the real world. That's that's true. That's true. That's, that's, uh, that's still some respect around uh, the online time lim limit yeah. uh, when you have a meeting there. That's true. So, yeah. And uh, Daniel, I was just wondering, um, you mentioned that, that, um, that your company is called HR Chatbots. HRBots. Hrbots.com, yeah. yeah. Um, but what is it exactly that you do in, 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 your, in your company? Basically, what 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 we did is uh, we got a best practice from the marketeers and customer service people that started uh, working with chatbots long ago, five years, six years ago. Uh, started okay. servicing clients in, clients with chatbots. Basically, a chatbot That's is. Eight. Asian, ancient times in uh, in technology terms, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what? For for those who are listening, a chatbot is basically like Siri or Alexa. Uh, those are chatbots, and you just our, our purpose is to bring them into the workplace, yeah. so that they they could manage all the frequent requests, questions that employees could have. And our purpose is help HR to liberate some time, give quicker, more agile answers to the employees' requests, and liberate time for 
both of them to get together for developmental conversations because uh, myself as an ex, well, I, I don't know if I call myself an ex-HR person, but uh, while I was working in leading an HR department, one of my main frustrations, and I think employee frustration as well, is that we didn't have time to talk. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think the chatbots, what we are, what are going to allow is to create time for both parts to sit down together at tables and talk about development or talk about concerns. Exactly. Uh, and this is the main driver of what we're doing. And I think we believe it's going to be a good option. Yeah, we hear that quite a lot as well when we when we talk to our customers and and we uh, our solution can can save a lot of time in, in the screening process. So that's kind of where we we try to to do our focus and 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 they all really like the idea of having more time because they they complain quite often that they do not have the time to engage with the rest of the organization to to get a feel for for what's happening out there and, and the needs and the requirements that the organization actually have from uh, from the HR department. So 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 freeing up some time is is, is an important factor, I think, because uh, the human part of HR uh, could use some more uh, focus and some more time, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that I've heard and read many numbers but i think all the statistics that i that i see they are around 50 to 70 percent of the time of hr to transactional uh, stuff that they have to do yeah and, and i think this age we're talking about hr now but this I, i'm pretty sure that applies to finance it applies mm -hmm. to legal and many of the support areas and, and even if we go to, to other operations marketing they still have a lot of transactional uh, workload yeah and, and and I you know there's a lot of talk about the social enterprise and and you know all the stakeholders both external and internal being able to communicate better and be more in sync with each other's needs and and, yeah. and 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 I think in order to be able to do that it's all the functions within uh, an enterprise within an organization that kind of needs to free up the time to be able to to move from that transactional layer up into to the creative part where, where you can really do some magic right when, when you get in, in sync with, uh, with what it is that you're all working uh, on, on accomplishing well, we live in a in a VUCA VUCA world now so we, we cannot manage a VUCA world with 30 percent of our time no that's true that's true yeah so uh, like you mentioned, chatbots has, has been around for, for some years now. But what, 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 what is your approach when, when, with your chatbots? Uh, what, what kind of uh, unique angle do you uh, uh, go into the market with? Well, I think even, even in HR now, you, you see chatbot companies and we have competitors in, in HR. We went to the US to the HR tech conference in Las Vegas and, and, and we, we have uh, some competitors already in the US. Now, I think that the main differentiator that, that we are having is that our team, uh, we have people that are devoted to technology, but we have also people that are uh, with HR background. So what we can do different than other companies that, that, that are in this, in this area 
is that we can advise our, our clients on what kind of content is more important in HR. We can also relate to their needs in a closer way because we have been through so much of the pain that they are living. Yeah. And even with the selling process, internal selling process for HR, it's, it's something that is uh, really difficult because um, to, to be fair, HR does not get a lot of support internally in the organization when they want to sell things. And, mm -hmm. and can you imagine an HR director trying to sell something that is technology related? They, they are going to say, hey, talk to the technology guy. Don't, don't come here yeah. to talk about technology. Yeah, exactly. So I think we can develop a closer relation and, and not only manage the, the implementations of a chatbot that I think some of our competitors can do, but take into consideration the HR perspective in every moment and the HR and the employee experience. That, that is also, that are the two things that are at stake here. Is the HR trying to free time and providing a better employee experience? Yeah. The, and so, that's what so. can definitely make a difference there, right? Freeing up some time so the HR people can and both have more time to internally, you know, uh, have the conversation with the with the business, and uh, and then externally towards the, the candidates, uh, definitely. But 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 one thing that I, I, I will really make a difference, and I, I, what I'm going to say is really strange, but with you can have more human chatbots and you can have more robotic chatbots talking to your employees. And I think we are on the first part. If we can, we can really work on how the chatbot is designed and the way it speaks to the employees, so that it's not you don't feel like it's a it's a robot. One one example that I, that I I like to use a lot. Our perspective allows us to create in our chatbot a difference. If an employee is asking, how many leave days do I have if I get if I have a newborn baby that's yeah. one type of question that the chatbot could say you are entitled to x leave days okay yeah. but if I'm writing to the chatbot I'm saying I'm father how many leave days can I take what you expect from a person is to say at least congratulations yeah yeah that's true and, and that's what we try to we try to embed embed that in, in our chatbot this kind of yeah. stuff that is it, really minor things that are highly valued by, by the people who are uh, uh, talking to chatbots. And one of the things that we, have, we are measuring in our chatbots is the amount of informal conversation that people are doing with them. Okay, yeah. Because when, when people start saying to chatbots, thank you, please, good morning, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's an indicator that are, they are feeling comfortable with the, with the tool. Yeah. And I think that's a that's an excellent point. You know, it's uh, you can call it many things, but you know, uh, UX design basically. You know, ha having uh, the chatbot designed in a way that is user friendly and, and engaging for the user. Yeah, I think that is that's important. Uh, you have to kind of it's, it's a way to nudge people to to mm. use it more. And 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 if you succeed in doing that, then of course the uh, the utility of the product of the chatbot slowly just becomes more and more uh, a part of the company. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a very very good point. Yeah, I agree. So, so what what kind of uh, you know what what's what's the kind of main issue that you you solve uh, with, with your chatbot today? Is, is this is the one thing that is 
that you see most often that, that your chatbots uh, help solve out there? And I think it's, it's uh, the, the dilemma. There, there's always been this dilemma of we want it to spend more time with people. Mm. And it's, it's funny, but the solution, it, 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 it's an algorithm. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's, it's based on technology and technology created by humans, which is, which is great. We, we usually talk about technology that is like something created by robots, but it's not, it's, it's yeah. ourselves that are creating yeah. technology. And, and we are solving the dilemma and contributing to that dilemma. And when, when we started with the first ideas, uh, we started with a chatbot for Coca-Cola company and it was what what are we doing here and i think we, we thought about the idea of we we create chatbots so that people can be with people yeah so so, so this is what we are doing basically and it, it makes us really proud on on, on as, as people from hr to be able to contribute in in this way yeah, yeah. and Basically, this this might be uh, right to the point of uh, of some of the critics as well of, of all these automation technologies, right? Because they m many people think that 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 includes maybe you know us that that kind of works with the, these kind of tools that we just want to substitute people with the technology, you know, automate the people out of the equation uh, fully. But, yeah. but that's not the case for most of us. We really want to be able to free people from the time that is today is, is kind of holding them back basically so that uh, that uh, the technology can be an assistant to us and, and help us uh, to achieve even more by using the part of, of, of being human that is actually you know, creative and innovative and and, and uh, being able to cultivate meaningful relationships with the other people in the organization and, and make, you know, make things happen in, in a way that uh, makes sure that the organization becomes more human. Because I think in, in many companies today, there's a, like you mentioned before, it's, it's very transactional. It's very focused on the productivity and the output and, and stuff like that and, and kind of my kind of dream scenario is that by by using te technology and freeing up time from these more mundane transactional tasks that we can actually make uh, organizations that it's much more engaging to be working in and much more fulfilling to be working in as well so and and in Denmark, for instance, we've uh, several times been called the, 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 the happiest nation on earth, right? And, and we don't feel that. <laughs> we don't feel that quite uh, as much every day. But but I think one of the reasons why we do this is because we have quite a, a huge focus on on exactly this human part of, of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. it has to make sense and it has to be you know you have to put people before technology and you have to kind of have these ground rules or values kind of and and I seeing I see that these technologies can actually help you know increase happiness in the workplace in, in, in many ways so uh, I think there's that's an important point that you're mentioning because putting people before technology I think that's key for organizations in this 
period of time where we are going to do a certain transition of giving transactional activities to to international uh, in, in uh, IA uh, yeah. artificial intelligence and, and what we always say in in companies in clients is that really companies organizations really have to make sure that they are investing at least the same amount that they are investing in technology in people because yeah. if you want people to move from transactional to do something else developmental help people strategic they really need some investment because they, they they have been doing transactional things for a long time and you cannot expect them just to snap and to the next day to do something else it's, it's not it's not their fault it's not our fault so so it is very important that that we put people first as, as you're mentioning and companies that are just focusing on the efficiency don't miss the big picture of uh, helping their people the next the next step yeah yeah that's that's true but, but when when we talk about technology there's always there's the positives and there's the negatives and one of the negatives in, in terms of, of these technologies of course is is something that a lot of people are talking and writing about and that's when when you use algorithms and you use these kind of technologies you know uh, how do you make sure that they they do good for you that they're not having algorithmic biases for instance and, and stuff like that how, how do you view that do you see that as a as a threat to what you're doing as well well uh, at least not in not in our case because uh i i would say our chatbots are supervised chatbots so so we we can monitor the what is happening inside them and one of our our chatbots cannot reply cannot create a, a, a new answer our chatbots are limited so so every answer that uh, our chatbot has to be it, has to be a, an HR department approved answer. So because you need to make sure that it's aligned with the company policy, with the company culture. Yeah. So uh, our, our chatbots are capped. Uh, they are very good at understanding what the other person is saying, but what mm -hmm. basically they are doing is understanding and picking from their own database of answers, yeah. the one that fits better to what they are doing, but they are not creative uh, chatbots of course there is technology out there that is a lot more advanced but uh, i think in, in 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 this point where we are now uh, bringing this technology to to hr departments inside the organization i think we have to have a controlled environment so that yeah. we, can, we can make sure that we provide what we want uh, and then with time when everything is, is clearer because uh, there are some things that are not clear. I, I, I would say maybe that's on the level of artificial intelligence that Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk and the other guys are talking about. But yeah, yeah not, not, not a, no, not we're a not there yet. based in Spain. No, no. <laughs> no and, and, and um, we, we take a similar approach in, in, in our solution where we, we actually have a tagline in, in, in our below our logo you could say but we say that we use advanced technologies but with a human touch and mm. and what we mean by that is, is is quite similar to what you're saying and and, and um, 
and making sure that we do not, you know, kind of set the algorithm free and, and enable it to be self-learning and just, you know, run with everything. That that we control what it what it can and what it cannot do and, and how it, it improves over time. Um, at least until we feel secure in, in the way that self-learning and, and the algorithm and the potential it has to, to do self-learning, that we, we feel we could do that in a safe way. But for now, we feel more comfortable being in control still. So, so I, I agree with you a lot there, especially when you, you, you've picked HR to, to improve with your bots and we've picked the screening process of, of mm -hmm. the HR uh, process to, to, to help automate the screening process. And, and, when, you, and when you dive down in, in such a narrow area, I think it's important that you, you, you try to, to keep uh, things in control and, uh, and remember that exactly in, in this case that we're working with humans. So it's, it's also important that, that it's, it's done in, in a way that where humans are still in control to, to some. Michael, what, what's the, uh, 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 I'm very curious, uh, what, what, what your solution actually does for, for the recruitment process? Because I, I've seen what Y is doing, I've seen the, uh, I would like to understand better where, where, where does it come in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can start with the company name, Y, <laughs> and then uh, we spell it a little differently, but we, we want you to pronounce it as, as the question, why, you know? Because uh, what we really want to do is be able to answer the question for, for, for the companies out there. Why is this candidate the right one for this job and for, for my organization? And then we want to be able to answer for the candidate why the organization and the job is, is a good fit for them as well. So, so that's, that's kind of the, the background for, for, the, for the name. And then as a, as a curious side note, um, in, in New Zealand, the Maori, uh, the uh, original population in, in New Zealand, um, the word why there indicates a person that is moving towards well-being. Oh. So that's also kind of, you know, a, a, a thing that we kind of see as, as one of our missions, you know, to help make sure that, that there's a better match between the candidate and, and the organization so that that people hopefully find themselves in, in an organization where they feel more comfortable or more at home so that they uh, uh, might even be happier that way. So, so that's kind of... You're going to get a lot of followers from New Zealand now. I hope so. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, our our engine, you know, the linguistic engine that we yeah. use, uh, supports English and and Spanish, for instance, uh, mm -hmm. but but not that many languages uh, yet. But uh, but English is one of them. So and New Zealand is is definitely a market for us. So they they're very welcome. <laughs> you have the but, brand already. Yeah, exactly. But but you know. So what we do with it is that we, we actually just want to enrich the screening process as it's done today, because many organizations have, have some issues with it. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of companies spend a lot of money, uh, you know, doing employer branding. So making themselves look good for the candidates so that they attract a lot of uh, talent to the organizations. And then when the, receive the application from all the, all of these candidates some of these companies are very good at, at attracting 
applicants. So they receive a lot of them. And, uh, and that could be 50 or 100 or 500 uh, candidates that apply for one job, just, uh, just one job. And it's, it's, it's hard work making sure you read all of those applications and that you do it in, a, in, in the same way so that you screen everybody with the same uh, diligence. And, and that's kind of where we want to, to help out so that, that you avoid some of the issues that you see today. For instance, in many companies, they kind of stop reading through the, the pile of, of uh, applications when they feel they have enough for, for an interview round. And then, mm -hmm. then they only read uh, the rest of the applications or read uh, more of the applications if some of those interviews uh, did not go uh, well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then, of course, you also have the issues with you know, human biases that a lot of us unconsciously, when we read these applications, we there are some that we put in the, the pile of, of, of yes that some other people might have put in the pile of no uh, just based on some unconscious you know uh, previous experiences or some unconscious biases that you have uh, that, that kind of dictates uh, um, which pile you put. What kind of insights would, would I get? It's like, like for example, I, I, I open a new position uh, I'm in Spain and 1,000 people apply because yeah. a country that still has a very high unemployment rate and, and we we do get too many applicants for any any yeah. any posting. So so do I get like a ranking or I get a, a... yeah? Well, if you're the hiring manager or the HR person yeah. responsible for filling the job, then the first thing that you would go in and do is, is just do what you normally do. You know, create the job in your HR system and create the job posting and just do what you, what you're used to do. But then you then you just kind of have a new button in your HR system where you can create the ideal target profile, the ideal candidate. Mm -hmm. So you go in and you say, what kind of personality should this person have? So if it's for a sales job, you, you might have one personality and if it's for a, a finance manager, it's, it's another personality and so on. And then you uh, go in and you select what, what are the values in my company? What are the cultural kind of uh, preferences that we have in our, our company? And when you've set those uh, and you've set in the job posting, you have the skills that you require for the job as well. Then, then you've set the target profile. And then as the applications start coming in, our system analyzes them in the background and, and it, it creates a profile on each of the candidates where you can see uh, some data around their personality and their value and cultural preferences and what skills they possess. Mm -hmm. And then you uh, get a ranked list of candidates based on your ideal profile. So the ones that match that profile the best uh, goes to the top of the list and the ones that do not fit as well go to the bottom. So, and then you can kind of simulate in the tool that if you'd like to see, for instance, if you've, for instance, if it is a sale position, you might in the personality part have said that, okay, I want an extroverted person, you know, an outgoing person for the sales job. If, and if, if you say, um, Let's see what happens if we take just maybe a neutral person, you know, one that, that doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be uh, out, 
outgoing or introverted, just being a, a normal person. It, does that change the, the, the ranking of the candidates? Would that bring some other candidates to the top that might be even more interesting because of their experience or their background? And so you can simulate and, and, and you can kind of, you know, take different angles to the, to the yeah, candidate. You get all of this analyzing the language and the way they are yeah, basically the, the science behind this kind of uh, analysis is, is linguistic analysis. And, um, and linguist is something that you can actually go to university and study and become a linguist. And, and what they can do is that they can look at a text that you've written and, and by analyzing what kind of words you use and the frequency of the words and the structure of your sentences and, and a lot of other factors, they can actually extract a lot of information about you as a person and your values and your uh, cultural preferences and so on. And basically, that's just uh, this science of linguistics that that a computer has been trained to do instead, so that we can automate this uh, this analysis. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's we we've succeeded in automating a, a process that is usually very uh, manual, that is yeah. very time-consuming, and that has a lot of you know the biases is one part, but also when you uh, when you make the screening you also have a tendency to know do it very granularly uh, or, or very rough i should say you know where you kind of make some very huge assumption it, it, it might be today that i only want people from the university in madrid for instance because i went there myself and i know what i'm getting when i get a, a candidate from that university or it could be other very coarse factors that that you do uh, the screening based upon and and we we try to make sure that people avoid these kind of uh, you know very simplistic ways of, of, uh, of screening the candidates so that everybody gets a fair chance and everybody is evaluated on the same premise and and that's that's kind of what we're trying to do it's, it's very interesting because i'm trying to remember from an hr hr perspective uh, and i think it happens to most of all, I think, as HR person and some of my friends who are recruiters and working on the executive search, I think we we can have a fair chance and good quality when we are assessing small groups of people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, we have three candidates, five candidates, eight candidates. I think we as human beings, we can somehow uh, make our preferences, but when when we are analyzing 600, we, when we get to 20, we don't remember about the first one. And I think this is one big value, value that I think is, 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 is what you're saying about the bias. Is, okay, when I started checking the CVs, it was 8 a.m. in the morning. I was fresh with my cup of coffee. Will I apply, apply the same standards at 6 p.m.? Uh, when I want to go home, I, I think even if I try, it requires uh, good coffee. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it has to be dehydrated coffee. Yeah, it's not. Uh, uh, so it's very difficult, and I and I think uh, this kind of tool that can manage big loads of information, providing consistency. Yeah, exactly. And 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 many organizations, you know. 
if, if you have a, a large corporation, for instance, you have a lot of HR people working there and you have good HR people who are good at screening candidates and you have some that have just started there and, and are junior in that role and, and, and you have a huge difference in, in how good they screen these candidates. So, so by, by using a tool like this, you can raise the bar to, to, to a, a higher average, you could say, in, in terms of quality when you screen the candidates. And then what we also mean with the human touch part of, of our uh, company is, uh, and our solution is that we don't want the tool to, to point towards one candidate and say, this is the ideal candidate. We, we want to help rank the, the candidates so you have a list where the most likely good candidates who will fit the job and be happy in, in your organization goes to the top. But we still want you to read those uh, candidates those uh, candidates' applications and, and kind of make your up your own mind, let's say within the top 10 or top 20, which of these candidates do you feel when now you've had the time to really read these uh, uh, applications thoroughly, what what candidate would you invite to the interview? Yeah. So that, that the machine helps people, but people can also make their own determination. So that's it's kind of a, a partnership in that way. What, what, what kind of clients or companies are, are, are that you perceive are more interested in what, what you're offering now? Uh, we actually don't see a huge pattern because everybody kind of have some of the pains, you know, either they receive a lot of applications and they never get to the bottom of the piles and, and they know that they can do better. And, and that's a problem we see everywhere, even in small companies that it might just be for an um, um, an office worker, or uh, or for an assistant, or 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 any any number of, of jobs. They just receive huge amounts of applications. Like you say, in some countries, it might be because unemployment is is high, or in other countries, it might just be because there are some structural uh, um, things in place that that uh, that means that you have educated a lot of. Uh, of these kinds of people, so that there's a lot out there that, that yeah, wants yeah. these kinds of jobs. So even, even some countries have more mobility, exactly. Mobility than others. Yeah. So so you have those kind of issues, and then in in large uh, corporations, we see quite often that the the pain is is in, in different areas or in many areas at the same time. They they have a huge amount of applications always coming in. But they also have a lot of some some of these uh, huge companies spend a lot of time talking about culture, talking about you know cultivating that culture. But it's yeah. really hard for them to make it operational. You know how how do you make your your culture operational when when you have to hire people? It's something that is often very very hard to get tangible. So so that's what we try to do by being able to kind of map your culture and your values in, 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 in the target profile so that you can already, when you screen the candidates and when you have the conversations in the interviews, you actually have a chance of, of asking quite knowledgeable questions to kind of discover whether or not that person is a good fit into the culture as well. You have a guide, you have a guide, definitely. Yeah, and, and, and we think that is important because, you know, when we look into the future you 
Well, one, some, some of the things that we've seen is, I don't know if you have heard about Singularity University. You know, yes. that, um, yeah. And, and you know, you can, you, can, you can think it's all a lot of fantasy, future fantasies and, and stuff like that. But, but in many ways, you know, the technologies that we have identified, I think it's around just below 40 technologies or something like that, that seems to mature at the same time within quite a short time frame. Uh, in, in the near future here and it, it makes it really hard to predict the acceleration and the change that we're going to experience right so this is everything from 3d printing to virtual reality to to uh, CRISPR where you edit your genes and, and every, yeah. all sorts of technology right and and we think when the change rate is going up you really need to have a lot of uh, kind of you know um, strong organizational foundations in order for people not to freak out when all these changes uh, occur, right? If you have a strong uh, uh, organizational foundations, you know, when people experience change, they might be a little bit more resilient to that change. Uh, because if you have a, a weak culture, if you have a weak foundation in your company, if people experience some kind of, you know, resistance, then they just get another job. They leave the company and, and get another job elsewhere. So if you want an organization that is resilient to all those changes and, and being able to change along with those uh, kind of technologies that are going to affect us, then we think that you need that strong organizational foundation so that, that people stick with you when it gets rough and, and yeah. they, they know that you as a company are worth fighting for. To, mm -hmm. to, to that extent so i think it's going to be it to put it a little bit boldly perhaps i think it's going to make or break companies in the future whether they have a strong uh, organizational foundation in terms of values and culture uh, in the future but, it, but i think i think it, this is something that uh, has been happening uh, somehow in a way and it is just that I don't know why some companies just don't see it. Don't, don't, don't. Maybe because of the urgency of the immediacy. All the transactional activities they have every day, they, they don't have the time to look up and, uh, and kind of see what's, what's important. One, one, one thing that I, I, I've always thought about transactional activities as something that is quite addictive. Yeah. Because if you do transactional activities during the whole day, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you felt like you have worked a lot. Yeah. And this in itself is a rewarding thought. And, and it's and, easy to measure as well. Yeah, and it's easy to measure. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so the other part is, hey, Michael, what are you doing? Are you looking at the stars? Are you becoming strategic and people mocking you? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's a completely different way of working and, and it's going to transform the way we work but also it's going to affect our workplaces because the the desk next to each other transactional layout doesn't make any sense and, and I think I've never been in Denmark eh, 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 Michael but but I think what I heard is that you are way ahead of in designing workplaces to fit different kinds of behaviors that are not only sitting in front of a desk, I don't know. Yeah, right. that's, that, that's, that's true. That, that's been a lot of uh, 
experimentation around that. Some, some has been successful and, and some not so much, but uh, I think uh, what, what we are good at in Denmark is cooperating with mm. each other, you know, uh, many years ago. And I think it dates back in history, you know, when because Denmark has always been depending on being able to trade with other people because mm -hmm. we're a small country. So to prosper and to survive, we've always had to uh, do business with others. Really? And, yeah. and, and that, that's, I think that's a foundation for us in terms of our culture, you know, that it's so important for us and it's important even in the workplace in, in each company that we are able to work together effectively and in a good way and in a healthy way so that we don't use each other but we actually you know kind of help each other and and achieve something that that we all want to achieve together and and that kind of uh, way of thinking has been uh, it is founded a lot of things in denmark uh, uh, even some of the uh, kind of uh, We have something in Denmark uh, called, you know, corporations. Mm -hmm. uh, you could say that kind of the way corporations were started, you know, when when or co-ops, I guess you could call it, you know, where, where people pool their resources together. It okay. Could be far farmers back in the day, pooling their resources together and and then uh, starting to to uh, to be better and more productive and so on by working together and inventing new uh, new ways of, of producing uh, things and so on so it's, it's something that is very foundational to, to yeah. us Denmark. yeah Michael we, we we're running a little bit out of time uh, yeah. but but one one thing I wanted to to ask you uh, I don't know if I, I mentioned it to you but I I teach I have one class uh, at uh, human resources and talent development masters. Yeah. And every year I have around 30 students. I talk to them about a transformational HR. They are basically people who are doing a master's to work in human resources functions. Yeah. Uh, most, the, the, the master's is about transformational elements. It's not about the transactional, fortunately. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, I would like to take advantage of your entrepreneurial experience and what you are doing right now. Um, if you could think about some advice for them, they are now 28 years old, 38 years old, 26, starting in the workplace. What what could you tell them to to keep in mind for the next uh, few years to come? It's well, not I guess... a question, I, I guess. No. <laughs> It could become very philosophical, but I, I guess one of the things I think is important for all of us in, in that future we're going into is that we have to be aware of, uh, of keeping our curiosity because it's, you know, the solutions that are, are found within different areas are going to change quite a lot. So you find one solution, then two years uh, down the road, you have to find a new solution because the old one Now the changes have made the old one redundant. So you have to kind of always be changing. And and if you have to do that, you have to just uh, enjoy being curious. So you have to train that ability to always wanting to learn more and know more and, and see uh, different things so that you actually just 
uh, always kind of you know suck knowledge in into your brain and and, and are able to find creative solutions uh, for, for things and and that's I think that's that's a huge huge uh, thing that you can you can work on actively trying to 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 get better at and then I also think that if if you if you're good at training that you have to be unafraid to use that knowledge you have to be able to to try different things without being afraid of failing so that you can you can try different things see if it works and if it doesn't you try something new and that failure is is kind of you know looked upon as just a road to the solution and not and not a failure yeah 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 so, so that you can kind of use that uh, as a part of the road to uh, to a solution and uh, and that's you said about being an entrepreneur that that's kind of what you have to learn as well in, in that journey yeah. because you, you can learn it the the, the, the the easy way or the hard way yeah and uh, I, I don't know if there is any easy way anymore but uh, I, I, well, I think you can accept it's going to happen yeah. into denial yeah and I just, just if you can accept those two things that you have to be curious and you have to be willing to learn and, and then use that learning experience um, by not being afraid to fail. I think that's that's important because that that's the only way to reach uh, new and clever solutions. That is just to try it out and see if it works and if it doesn't, try again and, and, and see if, if you can find another way to, to a good solution. That's yeah. great advice. I, I'm sure they're going to be grateful for that. Thank you. I hope so. And, uh, and lucky for them, they have a, an, a teacher who is not afraid of, of, uh, of getting himself uh, involved in, in, uh, in startup. Uh, yeah, getting himself into trouble. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good. Yeah. Great, Michael. I, I don't know if you have anything would you like to add or ask uh, before we. It's, it's been uh, fun talking to you and, and very interesting to hear about how you approach your uh, your kind of uh, solutions uh, in, within chatbots. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect.